Well, look, everybody, welcome back to the Trick Podcast of John Ghost TV on this beautiful Friday, January 26, 2024. My goodness, you know, I still, no, no, no. I never say 2023, but I was about to. Anyway, <laughs> talking about reflections of the last two years as I reflect on fear, trauma, PTSD, anxiety, body keeps a score, Jesus, worship, music leadership, church, all those beautiful topics, Enneagram, personality, all those things. By the way, a place that I'm hanging out at online a lot that is more focused on these topics is on threads. So you can follow me there on Instagram at David Trigg, and then you can click the threads link and then go there and follow me there. I've been enjoying that community. So shout out to my threads community, about 130, 80 followers, something like that. It's been a good community. I like writing and I don't like Twitter at all. Never did, never have, never have, never will. And But anyway, I've enjoyed threads, so you can check out some of my musings there. Less pictures, so that I like more short form writing. Hmm. So listening to a podcast, as I often do, and inspired by them, by uh, a guest on Carrie Newwolf's podcast. His name is John Mark Comer on the crisis in discipleship and why church services aren't resonating with him. And I've never heard of him, the pastor John Mark, uh, what's his name again? I'm sorry, Comer. Oh, duh. Like my friend Gary Comer. Shout out to Gary. So John Mark Comer, and but he was a pastor apparently in Bridgeport, I think in Portland. Now he lives here in L.A. I think now he's either doing a, a wood business slash podcast writer speaker that kind of thing I'm not sure but he's no longer pastoring as of I think the last two three years and he talks openly about anxiety and PTSD and trauma and the father wound and those are the topics that I talk about a lot he talks about being an introvert which I am and how you know, I've had such a hard time for the last, especially as a lead pastor, the last 10 years saying I'm an introvert because I have always, as an Enneagram 3, have felt the need to lie and to hide. And because a job as a lead pastor requires so much extroverting and being at all these things, I always felt like I had to hide my true personality and my true gifting. And that's why I'm not a lead pastor anymore, and I probably never will be because of the, uh, I think there are two reasons. One, because of the toll that it takes upon my body and my emotions. It's just too much. And then second, because of that extroverted nature, I think that lead pastors need to have, at least in our current models. I think that as a leader, I could be a very, I am an excellent leader, but in a different model that isn't the contemporary <clears throat> church of being outward facing at all times as an extrovert. I would do it through small groups, through discipleship, through intimate worship, through kindness and love and deep relationships. And that might be a small church. That might be a more maybe sabbatical, I don't know if sabbatical is the right word, more calm and liturgical and less stress church. And... Um, but that's okay with me. Ironically, when I was a lead pastor, 
I wanted the opposite. <laughs> so as uh, John Mark Comer was saying that when you look back at church, sometimes we, th we think we're the victim, but really we were the perpetrators. And yeah, of course, there are parts where we, where I was a victim, but I was a perpetrator in my, to my own demise, personal and emotional demise. I was driven somehow, not sure why, to do the things that I'm not gifted and called to do, which was to be the next Joel Osteen, have a church of 10,000. And I would talk that way all the time. And it was counterproductive, counter to my own gifting and personality. It was all, I think, my ego. Yeah, no doubt. It was my three-ness, Enneagram stuff. To try to be more than I am, to cover up perhaps my insecurities, my own faults, my own holes, my gaps in a myriad of things. When really all I wanted to do, that's Daisy, my beautiful dog. Shout out to my dog, Daisy, I love you, mama. When really all I wanted to do was to hang out with people, hang out with kids, hang out with young people, and to love people. And yet, as I said, that's the thing that I least did. And it was ironic because that's what eventually killed me and destroyed, I would say, my ministry, just not connecting with people in the ways that they needed because I wanted to pursue all these lofty things. So now two years removed, I was doing really well until this last year, 23. Well, I can't say I was doing well. The grief post my last church, I was a year into it and, and I was healing. And then even year two, I would say that was very healing as I was with my VO family, shout out to my VO Victory Outreach family, both uh, in Bellflower and in Santa Ana. Shout out to my pastors, Manuel and Pastor Chris. And then, yeah, last year happened and a myriad of losses, which kind of put me back into a terrible, anxious body cycle of worry. And just my PTSD wasn't healed. And, and then it went to round two. At the beginning of the year of last year, almost a year ago to the day, February of 23, my father-in-law, who was my father figure, died of cancer. Very shocking, even though he had been dealing with it, but we thought he was fine. Then in June, we wrapped up his house, cleaned up his house. I was up there for a week with my beautiful wife. And that was just so, just traumatic for me. It, it, it put me back into my own father wound of leaving home, leaving my father and mother and, ch and, and uh, sister that I loved my whole culture when I was 11, 12 years old. Things that I really hadn't wanted to deal with for many years because of obvious pain and, and the suffering. I didn't want to deal with it, so that got triggered. Then, to putting away all his things, his clothes, his shoes, his pants, his shirts, after just having been in his house with him there a few months prior was just too much. I literally had this horrible pain in my gut that began in June, July, and I still have to this day. It's still, it's where, my, it's where I hold my stress, it's in my gut, in my intestinal area, and I, anyway, not to be too TMI here, but there's this grip, basically. It's like someone's just grabbing my insides and won't let go. 
that's just my body tense. I, I have been tense since June, July. Then around that same time, our dog, Daisy, speaking of, we went to to the vet and she, we discovered, they told us she had a bunch of tumors and she only had a few months left to live. Thankfully, she's still with us and going strong, my dear Daisy. We've done all kinds of stuff to help her. But I remember that day was just another one of those traumatic days. And because I'm a HSP, a highly sensitive person, these things which for a non-traumatized or a normal person, they would hurt them in a more logical way. For me, it creates such trauma. And I was already in a spin cycle with my father-in-law, with my own father wound post my church um, resignation slash firing slash just really difficult, terrible situation and very painful five, six years. And it just threw me back down again. All and I and I at the same time I lost some of my friends that I was doing ministry with. They moved on because I was just in a bad place, and whatever else I don't know, just music stuff. Then my gorgeous son, uh, nothing terrible happened, but he, I mean, he did have a few. I had a few sleepless nights, just wondering kind of what was happening in his life, and just you know, teenage stuff. Nothing, nothing bad. But the the biggest thing was him moving to college. Which again, you would think that's a great thing, but for me, again, as a as a father, and it just touched my own leaving, my own father wound, and it felt like he wasn't leaving, but it was somehow my father leaving me again. It was the same father wound, my father, God not being there, <clears throat> my father-in-law, and now my son is, quote, leaving me. Of course he wasn't, and by the grace of God, he's still there doing well and thriving. And now that was on the heels back to my church experience of my beautiful wife also losing her job, her school closed. They chose another person to be the principal. And so not only was she dealing with her mother that had just passed away a year before that, and then her father, but also her own the loss of her dream job. She was a principal in love that she was doing all these amazing things and she applied to a bunch of places and nothing happened. And now she's back in the classroom. She loves it, but all of those things are still painful memories. And so I absorbed those into my body. I also lost my uncle, Tio Hector, that summer, last year, 23. Yep, this is still all in the same year, guys. My wife lost her uncle. I mean, just we had three deaths in six months. It was, and then Daisy, my dog, who, I mean, you name it. And then after that, <clears throat> excuse me, I went to teach. This is a wonderful thing. I was a long-term sub in math at a beautiful school here in the area. And it was stressful, but I loved it. You know, I really did. And then, by the grace of God, I'm now the... Uh, pastor of worship and, and some discipleship at this church here in the area. And that's been beautiful, but it hasn't been the easiest landing. There's been a lot of, um, I guess, just a, a low time that the church is going through. Nothing to do, nothing to do with me, but it did, it did have to do with my area of ministry and with a lot of conflict that literally was just taking place like in the last few months before I came in. And so the landing there has been beautiful, but it has been, it's been tough. 
things are improving, but my body is tense. I cry a lot, and I'm in therapy again, which has been very, very helpful. And and then, of course, as I said, we had the holiday syndrome, as we call it, when we just obviously went through Christmas. And so in, well, it's been 25 years, I guess, but um, on Christmas Eve, my beautiful grandmother, who raised me from age 11, 12, really, since age 8, you could say. She passed away on Christmas, actually on January 3rd, but she went into the hospital and never recovered. And then my father, yep, my father, speaking of father wound, he passed away on December 31st, about 25 years ago as well. So it's been quite the journey, hasn't been, hasn't it? And that's just on the, and that's all on the verge of covid <laughs> which really uh, put a huge panic in me as well. So I'm not there yet. I am recovering. I am a uh, recovering anxious olic, <laughs> trauma olic, holic, I don't know. And sometimes I have great days, sometimes I don't. Uh, the last few weeks have been pretty bad, I think, because of all the Christmas holiday stuff. And other times, like last night, for example, I had a great night. We had an event at church, and I felt myself, maybe for the first time in a long time, maybe years. It was actually very, very surprising and very beautiful. I had a beautiful dream, which I haven't dreamt a nice dream in years. When I was, I don't know if it was a house church, but I was walking through this house church, and all these young people and kids were just having a great time in the backyard. People are celebrating, singing, and I was driving a van at some point. I don't know if I was bringing some stuff, and then my beautiful wife came out, and we had lunch or dinner or something, and we were just talking, and I just kept thinking in my head, this is me, this is me, this is what I want. And maybe that was a bit of last night. I realized that I'm doing worship and, and hopefully some discipleship at this new church, and realizing that that really is my gifting. Worship plus, as my beautiful father-in-law, rest in peace, would often say. And I don't have to be a leader in as a lead pastor in that traditional way. I can be a leader in a team. I don't have to just do worship. I can be a leader, but in a different from a different position, not with the pressure of preaching every day. I'm not really built to preach every day. I mean, I, I am. My gifting is to teach every day. Or even every or every week, but not in the traditional preaching way where I feel like I have to be perfect or flawless, and then of course I feel evaluated and criticized. And I have been. It's not just uh, makeup stuff here. I'm not just making this up. So all to say that I feel so much better in a position like where I am now, where I can support the lead pastor and the vision of a church and not have to be the vision or carry the vision or, or um, declare or clarify the vision. I can support the vision. It really is my sweet spot. In many ways, it's what I was born to do, to lead worship and to sing to Jesus and to love people. It's just I had a 10, 12-year kind of, I don't know, detour where I thought I wanted to do more and I was more and I needed to be more. And that wasn't enough for me. Maybe some money, definitely ego, definitely status. And, and I think at the same time, I've always loved the Word of God. It's just different, though, to be 
a worship guy as far as my vocation, my job, and to be a pastor of worship and to pastor through that skill set and that position. And then, as I said, yeah, I'm looking into, I applied actually for a few churches uh, this last year to be a discipleship pastor. And I really, at first I must say, I'm like, I don't want to do that. It's too much organizing and that. And I was, I applied at Mariners and I didn't get it. And a lot of it was me. I wasn't really excited about it. I, they wanted me to move out of the area, things I didn't want to do. So there was a lot of things. And then I applied to another church, Cottonwood, to be the families or generations pastor. And I really, the same thing at first, I'm like, I don't want to do this. But then I thought, oh, this could be really good. But I remember my friend Robert, or I mean, he became my friend. He asked me, are you ready to go back to ministry? And I said, yeah. On the way home, I kept thinking, no, I'm not ready. And that was a mega church of like 10,000 people. So in some ways, I am glad. Thank you, Lord, that you uh, spared me, I guess you could say, or that I didn't get that job because I just wasn't ready for that level. Now I am. It's been two and a half years since the beginning of this season. And I do I do enjoy being a game show host and a performer and a worship guy and playing music, of course, and doing small talks and teaching. But all these things are fixable. Maybe this year God will provide a small group or classes that I can teach on, I don't know, discipleship and spiritual formation and things that I really enjoy doing and perhaps God can use me in that way. And there you go. I, I would be fulfilled and I can maybe be a part of a small group with my beautiful wife. We can get to know more people. So these are all fixable things. But I think it's just a me problem where I am still recovering. I'm not saying like I'm the problem. Of course, I am the problem. But I mean that I can't do more than I am capable of doing at this point. I'm doing all the work that I can, meaning the inward journey, which is part of this midlife season, this happiness curve thing. And I know that I am, I'm th- I, don't, I don't know if I'm thankful, but I, I know this is necessary. I know this had to happen, and my gut issue is something that in many ways had to happen for me to, I guess, to really take this seriously and to learn to pray and breathe and relax and to spend time with Jesus, trust Him. I just don't. I have a hard time trusting God as my safety and my security because of all my father wounds and trauma and all that stuff, leaving home when I was a young kid and going through a war and separation, immigration fears and all the stuff, you name it. And so I'm struggling and I am fighting to try to trust God. But as I don't know if it was Richard Foster or maybe it was Tim Keller, but this guy on the podcast was quoting one of these guys saying that, a young man asked this elder wise man, "Is who are you fighting against? He's like, well, I used to fight the devil when I was younger. Now who are you fighting? Now I'm fighting God. And the young man said, well, are you winning? He said, no, I hope to lose. And obviously, like Jacob, right, It's it's that's the whole idea is that you, quote, win, but God injures you. And he leaves this limp on your body. And for me, my limp is my anxiety, my fear, my worry, my gut, my... And I have to learn to fight with God and lose, meaning that he wins, that he becomes my God, that safety that I long for. And I have had moments where I truly have said, Lord, you're my father. 
My therapist uh, encourages me to talk to God, ask my father to talk to my little David, ask his father to both of us, to have both of us talk to my heavenly father as his children. I talk to my dad a lot, something I didn't used to do, but I talk to him a lot. I, I put myself in his voice, like he's telling me, son, I got you. I'm there for you. And I think sometimes it's God speaking to me, sometimes it's just me, etc. And I really feel thankful and, and just blessed by some of those moments. I'm still not out of it. I still feel out of it at times. I'm thankful for my church and my job, for the income, for the ministry, for the opportunities. Truly, I, it's a gift to work with children and adults and young people and youth. It really beautiful, beautiful musicians and a professional environment. I mean, it really is a gift. It's close to home. It's, it's, it's something that I love to do. I have this picture on my wall that I'm looking at right now from Christmas Eve where there were a thousand people in the room. And I had the privilege to be up there singing Feliz Navidad in Spanish. I mean, come on, somebody. Um, as I heal, I am thankful and looking forward to the ongoing recovery of this body of mine, of these emotions. And that's what my therapist keeps saying. It's just your body. Remember, it's just your body that's keeping a score from what you went through and what you've been through these last few years. So maybe you're going through something similar. And I can be of encouragement to you. You can go to my website or on Instagram, davidtrader.com slash coaching, and we can set up a community where we can just get to know each other and be of support to each other as a church leader, as a young person. I have a, definitely a heart for young leaders in their 20s and 30s, whether you are in church leadership or, or not, as an artist especially, and as a, as a musician or creative type. And, and we deal with a lot of these topics, I'd love to be of support to you. At some point, I would love to teach a class in person, at my house, on Zoom, in online, live, whatever. I am hoping to create a podcast with some friends that would be live, but all in due season. Right now, we're still healing, still dealing with, as I said, the first year anniversary here in a few days. I think it was February 2nd of my dear father-in-law. My wife is certainly grieving her father, as we all are. But her, as her own father, this is a big deal. So we are in the hands of God. We are blessed. We are broken at times. But he is faithful, and we thank God for it. Thank you again for being here. I'll see you next time. Adios.